0: Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving, like Organifi Green Juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels, or Organifi Gold, a superfood tea that supports rest and relaxation so you can wake up feeling refreshed. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to www.organifi.com backsplash carolin and use code carolin.com. K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E for 20% off any item in the store. That's Organifi.com backsplash Carolyn and code Caroline for 20% off any item. Sarah Grace Meckleberg is a renowned media dietitian, licensed nutritionist, speaker, online social media influencer, and founder of Fresh, Fit and Healthy. With a bachelor's in human nutrition, a master's in exercise physiology and nutrition, and her experience after working with hundreds of women worldwide, she has a passion for living out a healthy, balanced lifestyle and helps others to do the same. Sarah Grace now specializes in empowering women to learn how to use sustainable, realistic nutrition to support healthy hormones and feel their best so that they can be their best in the areas that matter most to them. She does this through both her free online content, her online courses, and her one-on-one premium coaching program, fresh fit and healthy Academy with over five years of experience in the nutrition industry and over 600,000 followers worldwide combined. She has dedicated her career to helping women say goodbye to the fad diets and imbalanced hormones, holding them back in life from feeling their best and create a truly healthy balanced lifestyle while supporting healthy hormone levels. Sarah Grace is also the host of top rated real solutions podcasts within the health space, where she talks through hormone health and real-life barriers standing in the way of our healthiest, happiest self. I absolutely love following Sarah on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, if you guys just want to learn more about your hormones and your gut, give her a follow. Her podcast is called Real Solutions, like S-O-U-L. Uh, so the Real Solutions podcast. Her Instagram is at Sarah Grace Mech. And her TikTok is also at Sarah Grace Meck. I am so excited, Sarah, to have you on my podcast. Um, Welcome to the show. I feel like it's a reversal of roles because about a year and a half ago or so, I was on your podcast. So thank you now for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Tell my followers a little bit about yourself, how you got into nutrition and your master's in nutrition, things like that.
1: Yeah, so it all started as just being a competitive athlete myself my entire childhood growing up, and I ended up starting to run in high school, and and out of nowhere, changed from soccer and basketball to being a runner somehow, even though I hated running, um, but at that time frame, I also fell into an eating disorder, and so I started working with dietitians myself that um, really just helped me in, in ways I never even thought imaginable. Um, In just overcoming that, and not only finding physical freedom, but mental and emotional freedom from that. And so I was going into I signed with um, University of Florida for their D1 track and field team after I had recovered, gotten strong again, started running again. And um, when I was at UF, I also got to work with a dietitian. And at the time, I was double majoring in business and psychology with plans to go to uh, like go to law school. And it was during my sophomore year that I was just thinking to myself this isn't what I'm truly passionate about. What are you doing? I know that you think that law is a good safe career and financially sound career, but do what you are really passionate about and what, you're, what you feel called to. And so my sophomore year of college, I switched my major completely from a business major to a science major that I was so freaked out about because I hated the sciences, um, but got my new my bachelor's in, in food science and human nutrition. And then went on to become a dietitian, which was a one-year diet tech internship and one-year master's program. And I got my master's in um, exercise physiology. So that's, that's kind of like the gist of it in a very, very small nutshell.
0: Good for you for following your passion. I just wish more people would do that because then we would all love our careers and love what we're doing. <laughs> so good for you for following that. What do you think led to your eating disorder?
1: Yeah, I, you know, for me, I feel like it can be different root causes for different people. But for me, it was never, oh, I I need to change how I look. For me, it was always more of a control issue. And so during that time frame of my life, I had a lot of personal chaos going on and personal life and family life chaos going on. And um, you know, my my parents had got divorced at a very young age, but my dad ended up messing up his second marriage, and I was super close with my stepmom. Um, and so that family split up, and then there's a suicide in my family, and there's just a lot of stuff going on to where I felt totally out of control. And in those moments of feeling totally out of control and feeling like I had no control in my life, I decided I was gonna find control somewhere else. And so for me, it became a game of how much I could control my food and how much I could control my food intake and how little could I eat in a day. And it spiraled into just, you know, losing a couple pounds and trying to get more healthy, quote unquote, to the extreme of, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a smaller bill anyways. But if you can imagine me like 20, 30 pounds less and, you know, being at a very low weight and just playing the mental game in my head every single day of how little can I eat? And so that's, that's kind of the root cause of it. And then, of course, there was like lots of other factors playing a role like as I kept going deeper and deeper into it. But the initial spark was just really wanting that control in my life after I felt like I had lost all of it.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you think the diet culture played a part in it or not really for you? It didn't as much in the beginning, but I think
1: that as I kept going – And then I, and I mean, social media wasn't even a big thing back then. I think like I didn't even have an iPhone until college. And so, Mm -hmm. um, crazy back then. But, um, so it was a lot easier in terms of like not seeing the stuff on social media that we see nowadays everywhere. But, um, it's still, I mean, even though we didn't have social media as much back then, I'm I'm, like aging myself right now by saying that. Um, you're still so young. (laughs) Um, but, you know, you still had that kind of diet culture just in physical, like in real life. And, you know, you have people trying all these diets and friends in high school that were trying this juice cleanse or trying this or that or, you know, all the different things. And then couple that with being a runner where you kind of think, you know, logically in your mind, the smaller I am, the faster I'll run. And even though that's not true, like that was what was going on in my head. And so there's a lot of different factors at you know, at play during that time.
0: Well, I love that you have taken like a hard thing in your life, a trial in your life and have turned it for good because you help so many women out there and you help them with their health the nutrition and eating disorders and things like that. So talking about diet culture and things like that, what is your take on like fad diets, detoxes, juice cleanses? What's your take on all of that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny how you say like, it's cool that I've taken that and been able to help women through it because another part of my story that happened later on after I recovered from this and felt like I was doing well, you know, I um, overcome my eating disorder, became a dietitian, met the man of my dreams and got engaged to him. And I was like on cloud nine. I'd started my own business, which was going well. And during that engagement season, I started struggling really badly with hormonal imbalances. And I always thought before this point, that hormones were something that you struggled with when you hit menopause, or when you were pregnant, and that's about it. (laughs) Little did I know that they affect all of us at all different seasons of life. But um, and so again, I had to figure out how am I going to find purpose in my pain. And that's been kind of a, a theme of my life of how to find purpose in my pain. And in my engagement season, that should have been the happiest moment of my life. And the happiest season of my life was the worst season of my life because I was just an emotional roller coaster. I was breaking down left and right, crying. I was, you know, had gut issues going on. I had skin issues going on. I'm um, just like, there's just so many different things going on in my body and all the only way that I could describe it to other people. And my fiance at the time, now husband, thankfully he stuck with me through it um, was just, I don't feel like myself. And so going back to your initial question of cleanses and all that kind of stuff um, not only is, are those just un, unproductive for your goals of health and, and living a nutritious life, um, but they can have a huge effect on our hormone health which then affects every single other area of our life. and those cleanses and detoxes and all those fad diets out there you know they can seem so quote unquote sexy and it's not the sexy thing to say you know just eat an overall balanced diet add some good foods in add more veggies in like that's not the sexy thing to say to people and and it's and it's more attractive to people for them to hear oh just take this 7-day juice cleanse or do this 20-day diet or whatever it is but i can tell you one thing is if you can't see yourself following something you know two years five years down the road then it's not a good plan for you it's never going to be lasting results it's never going to be real results and not only will it not the results not last but a lot of times you're doing more harm to your body in the long run and that's where you know going into like the hormonal health side which is now what I mostly focus on as a dietitian Um, but a lot of those things dietary wise can really affect our hormones. And it's not just, Oh, if I'm pregnant or, Oh, if I'm hitting menopause that my hormones can get imbalanced. There's a lot of different factors that can affect our hormones. One being the dietary side, which is, you know, anything that is honestly a stress to our bodies. And there's a lot of things that you may not think of that are actually really big stressors to our body.
0: Let's talk about some of these stresses to our body or some of these things that affect the hormones, because I think so many women out there are struggling with their hormones and maybe don't realize that their issue is hormonal, especially like there's so many mothers out there that are chronically fatigued and they just blame it on raising kids when in reality, it probably is a hormonal imbalance and people suffering with anxiety, depression, migraines, you know, all these things that really hormonal imbalance can play a big role in. When you're helping your clients with hormonal imbalance, let's talk about the food first. What is your advice to them with the food?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of different um, dietary factors at play when it comes to supporting healthy hormones and hormone balance. Um, But one of the biggest things is ridding that dietary stress. And so dietary stress can be anything from under eating, overeating, skipping meals, all the fad dietings and yo-yo dieting out there, all those cleanses out there. um, And then even just eating foods that are personally not settling well with you. And so that can be food intolerances or food allergies, um, anything that has a lot of those artificial ingredients in it. All of that kind of stuff is not good and so people even think sometimes that they're eating well if they're eating these this sugar-free fat-free stuff and that is actually doing more damage to you because a lot of that has like all these artificial ingredients in it that is a stress to our bodies and so when we think of stress a lot of times we just think of like am i feeling stressed? <laughs> and a lot, and it's not just that there's so many different stressors there's lifestyle stressors there's dietary stressors there's you know emotional stressors there's everything and so we really have to look at it as a full picture and it's hard because hormone health doesn't just happen overnight when it comes to fixing your hormones, this is things that this is stuff that takes months. And so it can be discouraging and frustrating, but it's really having to focus on the full picture and not just, Hey, here's a cleanse. Here's a diet. Here's a hormone balancing supplement, which is now the new hottest thing that is not what I would recommend. Um, and so, yeah, with, with dietary stuff, like that's the stuff not to do when it comes to what to do, it's really the biggest thing, one of the biggest foundational principles of hormone health is balancing out our blood sugar levels. And that comes with really making sure you're eating good, healthy fats, good lean proteins, smart carbs, fiber, or vegetables. Um, having all of those things, I always say it's the fresh fin five for me that I try to tell people to remember it by. But it's healthy fats, lean proteins, smart carbs, fiber, and then boost. And boosts are just ways to naturally boost the flavor and nutrition through, you know, seasonings and spices and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but that's what I tell people. It, if they try to make every single one of your meals a freshman five meal, because that's that will help to balance out the, that blood sugar. And and really, when you start to focus on adding the good stuff in, the not so great stuff just starts to naturally decrease. And then you're not in this scarcity mindset, you're more in an abundance mindset of let me add more vegetables, let me add more protein, let me add more healthy fats. Because then the other stuff kind of naturally just decreases. And you're not thinking, oh, I can't have that, or I shouldn't have that. And then it becomes this mind game of wanting it more because you're telling yourself you can't have it. And
0: That is so true because we live in a culture where it's restrict, restrict rather than add in, add in, add in healthy fats, add in more fiber, fruits, and vegetables. So you're so right. It is a mindset. I love that you teach your clients those five things about every meal because those are so important, especially with hormonal health. Like people don't realize you need healthy fats, especially omega-3s to produce hormones, right? And then Mm -hmm. protein is so good for keeping those insulin levels more at bay rather than spikes and Okay, those are great tips for my followers. Thank you so much. Okay, so other, other stressors, sleep. Does that play a part with the hormones? Oh, yes, it does.
1: <laughs> and I always tell people, you know, you can do all the, you know, nutrition and workouts that you want, but if you are not getting enough sleep, And quality sleep. And if you are not managing your stress levels, you are never going to feel your best, you're never going to have optimal health if you don't have those two things in check. And it can be so easy to say, Okay, I'll follow this nutrition plan. Okay, I'll follow this workout plan. But it's a lot harder to say, Okay, let me make time for myself to manage my stress. Let me make time to go to bed enough time so that I get a good seven to nine hours of sleep. And it's funny, there's only 5% because you hear these people all the time. And I used to be one of them that said, like, I just do better on little sleep. I really do. Like, I'm fine. There's actually only 5% of people that have a gene mutation that allows them to do better on little sleep outside of that. So 95% of us need that full seven and a half to nine hours of sleep. And so like when it comes to like how that affects us, well, number one, you know, sleep, um, dictates our cortisol release. It dictates our thyroid hormone production, our leptin and our Gremlin. Um, it helps our immune system and it helps with like, kind of take, like taking stock of the junk in our bodies while we're sleeping and getting rid of them and also increases our regulatory T cells, which really helps with our immune system. And so, You can sit, you can like think about it and say, wow, you know, if I'm not getting enough sleep, if that's what's all happening during sleep, then there's probably a lot of things not good when I don't get enough sleep. And and so when it comes to not getting enough sleep, things like your blood sugar, you're going to have blood sugar dysregulation and impaired glucose control. Um, That's just something that there is actually studies that have done that 40%, um, there's a 40% decrease in glucose tolerance only after a few days of restricted sleep. So that's huge. And then there's a 30% decrease in insulin responsiveness after too little sleep. And so these are the kind of things that are happening when you're not getting enough sleep. Another thing is leptin and gremlin. So think of leptin as our hormone that it makes you feel full, makes you feel, you know, satisfied. And then gremlin is the hormone, the hunger hormone that makes you feel hungry. Like, okay, it's time to eat. I'm ready. I'm good. Um, when you don't get enough sleep, leptin, the satiety hormone, is decreased in your body, about a 20% drop in leptin when you just get moderate reduction in sleep, um, When they're, with a moderate reduction in sleep time. Um, and then with a decrease in leptin, there's an increase in rise in gremlin, which is making you feel more hungry. And so you can see how that's not very good for all of our health goals, because then you're abnormally hungry above what you should be, and you're not feeling satisfied even after you eat which is going to lead to a lot of other things that we don't want. Um, it also leads to an increased cortisol. It's it's a stress on our bodies. We, we were just talking about stress. It's, an, it's a stress on our bodies when we don't get enough sleep. And so we have an increased cortisol level in our body when we're not sleeping. And, you know, some cortisol is fine. Like we need that cortisol. But when we have chronically high levels of cortisol, that's when it's not good. And so if we're chronically not getting enough sleep and we this is a stress in our body chronically and so therefore we have chronically high levels of cortisol that's when a lot of things (laughs) like that go wrong um because increased cortisol can lead to like of course increased like heart rate and stuff like that but um excess weight gain hormone dysfunction like so many different things and it really can go from a place of too much cortisol to just total burnout and that's where you get that fatigue and um, what people sometimes term as adrenal fatigue, and even though that doesn't really exist, like our adrenals don't get fatigued, but the symptoms of adrenal fatigue are very, very real. And it's more of a adrenal dysfunction that's happening because your adrenals are just getting really confused with everything going on. Um, But with that being said, you know, so like we have leptin, we have Gremlin, we have blood sugar dysregulation, we have increased cortisol, and we also have a lot of just inflammation going on because we have increased systemic inflammation when we don't get enough sleep. So there's a lot of things going on. And this is something that a lot of people just look past like, oh, well, I just can't get enough sleep. It's just like not a part, it's just not doable for me. And I think if people were just, um, Just, you know, if they knew about all these things that can be happening and that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. That doesn't mean that one night where you can't get enough sleep, you got to beat yourself up and say, oh, this stuff is going to happen to me, but more so on average, what are my days and nights looking like?
0: Wow. I love that you just educated my listeners on all of that because I really think a lot of women don't understand how much is happening during our sleep. Could you imagine if like the media or like diet culture world taught like, hey, if you don't get enough sleep, your leptin is going to lower and your ghrelin's <laughs> going to rise. I mean, I think women would listen up like, oh, wait, that can contribute to my weight gain. Wait, I need sleep. So yes, yeah, sleep is so important. It's how our body uh, starts detoxing and resets. And like you said, all those things. So thank you for sharing all of that. So when you say people should get good sleep, are you talking like seven to nine hours of sleep?
1: Yeah, usually around seven to nine hours of sleep is like the happy medium and the and the good place to try to be around seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. mean, optimally, um, some people like they get to feel almost too tired if they get too much sleep. And so um, I always say like seven and a half to eight and a half hours is like a really happy medium um, and something that everyone should be shooting for. And it's just you know working backwards. And again, like our our um, culture just like lives without um without any boundaries without any like without any white space in our calendars is just go 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 and if there's one thing i can say is like that is not how we're meant to live we're not meant to go 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 grind 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 never break never take moments of self care like that's just not how we're created to be and and when we take care of our bodies i'm a big believer that we can heal like our our bodies are meant to be able to heal themselves if we take care of them correctly but this culture has just told us to go, 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 go. And that we need all this medication and all this other stuff to fix our issues instead of just, Hey, let's come back to the basics and like, where's my diet at? Where's my sleep at? Where's my stress at? What am I, you know, all these different things that play a huge role in how our bodies can heal, how they can respond to infection, like to viruses and to um, just all these different things out there. You know, there's a lot of like any kind of sickness that comes our way. Our body should be able to be strong enough to fight off that. But, um, you know, a lot of times we're just not, you know, at optimal levels and therefore, end up needing some of these other things.
0: I love that you said all that because (laughs) I am a true believer that the body can heal. Just, I know it with my depression that I dealt with years ago, you know, doctor after doctor told me I couldn't heal from it. And finally I found one who said, yes, you can heal from it. And a big part of mine was a hormonal imbalance and my cortisol was shot and it was just from going, going, going. And not taking that break or that breather, you know, and getting bad sleep. And so yes to everything you just said. (laughs) Continuing on with hormonal imbalance, do you think environmental toxins play a part and things like beauty products Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was actually one of my first steps
1: in my hormone balancing journey where when I was having all my issues that I started taking. And so if you would have talked to old me, <laughs> I didn't care what I use. I just I just bought whatever Smelled the best, whatever was the cheapest, whatever I liked the best, whatever that blogger online told me to buy. You know, I just didn't. As a dietitian, I feel bad. I feel embarrassed to say that because as a dietitian, I know that food affects your body. So I don't know why I would have never thought that products do too. Um, and you're you're the pro at this. But when it comes to all this stuff, like I started just doing research and um when i was having all my issues and just started realizing how much is in our products and how much is not regulated and all the different things and and even just in our like cosmetics and how like there's what may i it might have changed by the last time i looked at it but something like we here in the us only regulate like 11 like only um, like prohibit 11 ingredients and the european union is like 13 1400 or something like that and it's like so why are we allowing all these ingredients in our products um but the first one of my first um steps of my hormone health journey was just getting rid of all the artificial fragrances and i was a big candle girl <laughs> i was i was burning all the candles and had all the fragrances in my house and and so switching those out for quality essential oils and diffusers and starting to like slowly and again whenever i talk about this i always say like hey just just remember like this took me a year and a half to really get all the things out of my home. So I never want anyone to think that you should just go today and like throw everything out and switch it all over. Number one, that's super expensive. Number two is just overwhelming. Um, but for me, it was just like more of like, okay, as my concealers running out, how can I switch that with something better? And I started using apps that can help you with that and help you see like where things measure up and started learning how to look at ingredients myself. And It was just crazy to me how things that even marketed themselves as natural or whatnot just like weren't natural at all. And so I had a real, I had, I realized it was, it's like a full-time job looking at your ingredients and and inside of them. It's kind of like figuring out where all the added sugar is. Like, it's just a full-time job trying to get rid of all that added sugar that's everywhere in our products, in our food nowadays. But yeah, so I mean, our, like, environmental toxins play a huge role in our hormone health. And that's one of the biggest steps like I encourage others to take too, is starting to, again, we talked about stressors, dietary stress, emotional stress, this is another stress, this is environmental stress. And so it's a stress to our bodies when we're having all these different ingredients in our bodies that are carcinogens or endocrine disruptors, and all these different things that are like genuinely disrupting our hormones. It's not just like, oh, they could be it's like, no, like they're playing all these games with our hormones from mimicking them to not letting them be used the right way to all these different things. And we're just, I mean, if you think about like a typical morning before, before I actually cared about ingredients, um, you know, I was brushing my teeth. I was getting the shower using shampoo, conditioner, body wash. I was then getting out and shaving cream. I was then getting out and putting body lotion on. Then I was putting deodorant and perfume on. And it's just like, in just the first hour of my day, how many toxins was I putting on my body, which our skin is the largest organ that absorbs so much of what we put on it. And here I am just lathering myself with this stuff. And so it was just a it was just a huge wake up call to me. I just had no idea. And I don't think I think that's the problem is most women just don't realize how much like I didn't realize until I did my own research. We're just not told that. And um, unfortunately we're not meant to smell like, like, like vanilla and we're in vanilla sugar and all that stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, like I just, it was a huge wake up, but at, you know, just to get back to your question is, you know, yeah, they play a huge role in our hormone health. And I, that's one of the biggest things I tell women to start to focus on is to start to get rid of the not so great stuff by just slowly ditching and switching. And it's not spending a ton of extra money. It's just, Hey, when something runs out where, how can I switch that to a better alternative?
0: So I have to tell you when I was first starting my health journey, my doctor was like, you know, maybe your body lotion is playing a part in your hormone health. And I was like, what, what are you (laughs) talking about? Like, I, I had no idea what she was talking about. So you're so right that, you know, these beauty products are, full of these endocrine disruptors that are messing with our hormones another well two other things one people always tell me like well they're in safe amounts you know the FDA says they're in safe amounts well who is testing like you said the continuous use of the body wash and the shampoo and the conditioner and the deodorant and the you know we're using Mm -hmm. multiple items and no one is testing those levels And going back to testing levels, now that I make my own beauty products, I know that there is no regulation. When I first made my deodorant and serum, I was like, well, do we need to get any of this tested? Like, is there anything that needs to be regulated? And the manufacturer's like, nope, you can do whatever you want with beauty products. And I was like, wow. Wow. It's just
1: crazy. And they say like, oh, we're not listing like
0: ingredients or they use the word fragrance. It's a cover up word
1: for like a 1000 other ingredients. And it's because of like trademark secrets that they can get away with that kind of stuff. And then there's like you said, no regulation. It's just like supplement industry. There's like no regulation. And um, like I could like my next door neighbor could go make a supplement line right now if he wanted to. And and people just don't realize that people don't realize like they just trust what the what the bottle says like if it says all natural if it says you know good for this or that like I, I mean there's so many of those cookie cutter hormone balancing supplements out there nowadays um that are like for hormone balance I'm like no no, no it's not how that works like everyone's different you can't right. just like stay here this is for everyone um but yeah it's the same thing with products like they just people claim whatever they want. And the biggest thing I can tell people is like, don't just look at the label. <laughs> don't just, I mean, look at the ingredient label, but don't look at like, just like the, the front line, like, you know, like uh, salesy kind of line that tries to get you to buy it.
0: Well, I love that you're out there teaching women about endocrine disruptors and about these things in our beauty products, because I think the more we educate, the better our products will become on the shelves. So thank you for doing that. Okay, so we've Thank talked- you. <laughs> We've talked about all these stressors, um, beauty products, environmental factors, food, sleep, stress. And we've talked about that with hormones. But now let's talk about the menstrual cycle instead of the hormones. Obviously, they're both related to each other. You talk about like different foods you recommend during each phase of the cycle. So how does food relate to the menstrual cycle?
1: Yeah. So there's, you know, there's so many different, like, here's the thing that as women, we're not told any of this. And I mean, there's so much that I've learned in the last like two and a half years, three years. That I just am like, why didn't we learn this? Like, why didn't we learn about our cycle in sex ed class? You know, like right. all these different things, like things that would have been very helpful for us. Like, I mean, even just like the whole birth control thing, like they scare you, making you think that you um, can get pregnant any single day of the month. And it's just not true. And so anyways, like, you know, things that I didn't know until I started doing my own research. There's phases of our cycle and we're not, we cannot expect to be the exact same every single day as a woman. That's just not how we were built. That's not how we were created. And there's different phases of the cycle where we'll like food different foods will be better for us, different kinds of exercises will be better for us, we'll have different energy levels, we'll have different sex drives. That's just like a normal because of the different fluctuations of our hormones throughout the month. And I mean except if you're on hormonal birth control then it's like flatlined and you feel great all month or not so great all month long. Um, but when you are, when you have your natural hormone production going, um, regularly, then you're going to have these different fluctuations. And so you, there's kind of just four different phases of our cycle. There's the menstrual phase, the follicular phase, the luteal phase, or like where, um, sorry, the ovulatory phase, which is like ovulation, which is when you are fertile, when you lay your egg to be fertilized, Um, and then the luteal phase. And so menstruate, like the menstrual phase starts like day one of your cycle is like the first day that you bleed for your period. And then you go throughout your cycle. And so if you think about like your menstrual, like there's a lot of times where I hear women saying, you know, I just feel so tired during this time, or I feel more tired right now. or I feel more energetic, or like, I don't have as much of a sex drive during this time. I'm like, that's actually normal to some degree. I mean, if you're like, extremely fatigued then like there's probably something going on but if you just have you know not as much energy if you're just like not as like wanting to be a social during certain times of the cycle like that is very normal and so like with your menstrual phase it's better to be doing low moderate movement like yoga walks pilates um you want more soothing foods and warm foods you want protein and iron rich foods you want to kind of limit that um, not so healthy fats and salty food kind of intake, and alcohol and sugar and caffeine because that's going to kind of make your period symptoms a little bit worse. You want to have magnesium-rich foods. You want to, if we're doing the whole seed cycling process, which is a whole nother thing. But if you're cycling, you know, with your different seeds to help with your um, cycle as well, then you're having pumpkin and flax seeds during the first two phases of your cycle, and you're having. Um, sesame seeds and sunflower seeds in the last two phases of your cycle and not that I mean seed cycling doesn't have like it has mixed research and mixed kind of you know thoughts on all that but I'd say like just seeds in general are very good for us so no matter what implementing seeds throughout your cycle is really good for you Um, and especially freshly ground flax seeds are amazing Um, but then like when you come to like your mood during your menstrual phase you know there's going to be like like during your menstrual phase, you're going to want to kind of relax and just kind of rest and reflect. Um, This is going to be where usually your libido is usually super low, except for sometimes women have high libidos during their period, just because they think that it helps with their period symptoms. Um, But there's like a lot of different changes going on. Um, And then as you get into your follicular phase, then that's when estrogen and testosterone start to rise. And so this is where you start to feel more confident, more energized, more mental clarity, and you're starting to, you know, really start to feel a little bit better post your your, your period phase or your menstrual phase. Um, and then your ovulatory phase is when all your hormones are at its high, your estrogen and testosterone are at their highest. So this is when you should have like, and I think this is so cool how our bodies work, but during your ovulatory phase or ovulation, which is when you can get pregnant, is when you should also be the most like ready to have sex, like jump on me kind of feeling. And, and it's just so cool how our hormones are made to be like that. And, um, and so this is where they're at their highest. This is where you feel most confident, where you feel most energized, where you feel most like wanting to be social. So like, if you're thinking about cycle syncing, you know, your cycle, cause you track it. Number one, it makes you feel so empowered and you can work with your cycle instead of just feeling like you're at the mercy of your cycle. Um, but number two, you can start to say, like, oh, like I'm going to schedule all my podcast recordings during these two phases, because I know I'm going to feel most energized and most with it. You know, I'm not going to want to do it during the my luteal phase or menstrual phase. And so you can start to plan things and again, work with your cycle and, and feel back in control of it instead of feeling like you're just at the mercy of it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel today. I don't know how I'm going to feel next week, because if you go based on your hormone health, um, or your hormones and your cycle, you can actually start to see those changes. And then of course the luteal phase post ovulation is when progesterone's rising, but the others are dropping and you start to have that more inward focus. And this is when sometimes the PMS symptoms can start to come up a little bit. Um, but you know this is where you kind of start to want to get back into more of like relaxing and looking inward and same with like s- similar to your menstrual phase. And so um, there's a lot of different things that, that change throughout our cycle. And this is where, you know, when you're on hormonal birth control, which they're prescribing left and right, like not that I'm against it at all. Like I want everyone to be able to make, like, I, I think everyone should make their own decision on that, but I just don't think women are being given the right kind of information before they make that decision. So I'm not anti birth control. I'm pro information and then, um, letting people pick what's best for them. But you know, you're all these like fluctuations are totally muted. And just your total natural hormone production is just kind of shut down. Um, your communication between your ovaries and your brain are just shut down and kind of just cut off. And, and you just have these synthetic hormones flooding through your body every single day. And that's where you don't get to see these changes in your body. You don't feel all these different changes. And you're also just shutting down a, a full system in your body. And you're not ovulating, which I hate to break it to any listeners out there, but you don't get a real period when you're on hormonal birth control. That's a withdrawal bleed. It's not a real period. And so you're being told, Oh, here, this will help you regulate your period or this will help you regulate your hormones. And it's just the biggest lie. And so, you know, if you, if you see, if you do all the research and you're like, Hey, this is the best for me for pregnancy prevention, then that's totally cool. But if you're, you know, if you're being told, Hey, this is my only option or, you no, know, I have PC. You have PCOS. This is the only what. This is the only thing you can do. Or you know, you have irregular cycles. Oh, this will help you. Or this will balance your hormones. Is my fun is, is the most funny lie to me. Um, Or like, oh, you have acne. Get on the pill. Like, there's like, all these different things that we're being told like to get on it for and they're just women just, I mean, I personally wasn't given the kind of information and I've been, I've been told to get on hormonal birth control three different times in my life. And all three times I did, because I didn't know, I didn't know. And so back in high school, when I was a runner and too thin and didn't have a period, they told me to get on it to get my period back, which was a big lie. Now I'm seeing, um, they, I had bad acne in high school too. And so at a different time in high school, they told me to get back on it for for acne reasons. And then when when I was um, just about to get engaged and started wanting to trial birth control um, to have something set in stone for when we got married and um, and they and like my gynecologist had just told me, like, if you don't get on hormonal birth control, you will get pregnant within the next few months. And I was like, well, I'm not ready to have to get pregnant yet. Uh (laughs) And so, you know, but like they, like, they create that fear in you. And even when I had gone back to, um, to the gynecologist and said, Hey, this is messing me up. Like I, I, this is totally changing who I am. I want to get off all she said was, Oh, it's just trial and error. Just try a different one. Like, and I was like, no, 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 no. Like I just, I want to get off. And she's like, well, if you get off, you're going to get pregnant. And like, just was not trying to even work with me or give me other options. And so like, that's what women are facing these days. And that's kind of why I'm being a voice in that space, not because I'm necessarily against it, but just to help women, like see that it's not their own. It doesn't have to be their only option. And it's not usually a great option either.
0: Well, I love that you say that you're pro-information because that honestly is what it comes down to because I can't tell you how many followers I have that are like, oh yeah, I'm on birth control for acne or yeah, I had, like you said, irregular periods so they just put me on it. And I'm like, no, acne or um, anything like hormonal imbalance or irregular periods, anything like that, is your body screaming at you that there is something else wrong? And so if we're Mm -hmm. educated to know like, hey, do you know that the birth control... Deplete certain minerals? Do you know that the birth control flatlines all your hormones like that? Do you know if we educate people, then they can make a better choice option for them and for their needs? And I always tell people if you're going on birth control for not birth control reasons, acne, irregular periods, whatever, it is a band aid to the symptom. It is not healing you, and there are ways to heal from it. And so, just something to think about if you are on birth control out there.
1: Yeah. And again, no judgment. Clearly, I was on it for over a year this past time, this last time before I felt ready to get off and figure out how to non-hormonally prevent pregnancy. And so, you know, there's, but this, so there's no judgment either way, like, or guilt that should be put on anyone that is on it. But it's just like, I'm here to help just like, again, pro information, like inform people of what it's actually doing. And like you said, you know, when you get like, say, take a PCOS example, you know, that is rooted in blood um, blood sugar dysregulation and inflammation. Well, the hormonal birth control is literally proven by science to deplete specific vitamins and minerals to cause more inflammation, to cause gut imbalances and so many more other things. And so They're telling you to get on this thing that to help your PCOS that's actually just masking the symptoms and could be making things worse behind the scenes because you're not actually working on healing the root issues. And so there's like that's just like one example or like the cycle issue again like your cycle is your fifth vital sign it is something that shows how healthy you are. And so not to say that like, you know, you're totally, you're really unhealthy if, you know, you don't have a regular cycle, but this it's like you said, it's, it's your body trying to scream at you like, Hey, something's wrong, something's off. And instead of saying, let me listen to it and figure out what the root causes are so I can fix them. We're basically just stiff arming our body into submission and saying, "Shut up! I know it's best. I'm going to take this, you know, pill or this patch or this whatever, and and stop you from screaming at me." And and that's never going to be good in the end. Like, if you don't, you if you're not getting your period, and they say, "Hey, just get on hormonal birth control; will regulate your period." And then ten years down the road, you're ready to get pregnant, and you get off, and you still don't have a period. Why? Because It didn't actually fix the problem. And so then these women are trying to get, you know, ready to get pregnant with the impression that as soon as they get off, they'll be good. And number one, they're not even told that you definitely shouldn't get pregnant the first three months off hormonal birth control because you have all these deficiencies going on, which could really affect your pregnancy. But number two, like they're they're just being lied to, saying, like, oh yeah, as soon as you get off, you'll be able to get pregnant. And you know, sometimes, like, no, like of course, like there's always those stories of people that did get pregnant and had a healthy pregnancy right off of it, but there's a lot of women struggling silently that have been off now for a year, two years and still can't get pregnant. And that's where I just feel like women are, you know, there's a, you know, there's a disservice going on right now. And, and I just wish women knew the full picture. I wish like I was even told the full picture before I was getting on it.
0: I so agree with you. And it comes down to educating people. So I love that you're educating people on this, but Talking about the pill and educating women, so this has been like a pet peeve of mine lately because my daughter was telling me, mom, all my friends have horrible periods, horrible PMS, but and horrible cramps, like the cramps are so bad, they have to get checked out of school. And I'm like, sweetie, that is not right. Like that's their body screaming at them. And so do you come across a lot of people just dealing with these horrible cramps and horrible PMS and what's your advice to them?
1: Yeah, so 100% there's a lot of women having really bad, um, you know, just period issues, whether it's migraines, whether it's um, cramping, whether it's, you know, all these different like actual period pain where they literally can't get up. Um, And I I always like I always hear like, oh, that's normal. And I always say, you know, just because something is common doesn't make it normal. And normal and common are not synonymous. And yeah, these things may be common, but they are not, they are the farthest thing from normal. Like that's not like, we should not have to suffer a full week, every single cycle. Um, Like that's just not how we were created. And so it's number one, it's not normal. Number two, it's all about finding out what that root cause. And I would say getting blood work, uh, getting hormones tested. And, and, you know, I love the Dutch test that is a dried urine test that you can order straight to your home um, or getting like certain blood work done. If you are in a, like it, I would different people, I would recommend different testing for, but um, bottom line is getting tested and to see if what's actually going on. So just as a general statement. And again, everyone's different. So I'm emphasizing general, but a lot of times with really bad cramping and pain, that's either too, like too high of estrogen going on or too, too much like prostaglandins. And so that's both things that we can fix naturally. We can work on that naturally, but we just have to figure out what exactly is going on before we can figure, before we can start working on the root cause and fixing that. And so I always say, you know, dietary and lifestyle changes you can make without, you know, getting any tests done a hundred percent. But when it comes to like specific supplements for these things, I always say, test, don't guess, (laughs) don't think that you have high estrogen and then go start taking DIM or something like that, because that could even do you worse if you actually have low estrogen, like you just don't know. And so I would definitely say test and don't guess when it comes to specific like supplements for specific hormone imbalances. Um, but when it comes to like your general baseline, like supplements and food and lifestyle factors, which all should be number one, anyways, you know, those dietary changes, the lifestyle changes, like ridding the toxins from your environment, all those kind of things are all things we could be doing tomorrow. And then as you start to work up and, and you start to see, and you start to track your cycle and track your symptoms, and you start to become aware of what's going on, then you can start to even take further measures than that.
0: Well, I love that you say test, don't guess because it's so true because it could simply be that you're really low in magnesium and that's contributing to the cramping or you don't have enough omega-3s. We need those Mm -hmm. omega-3s, you know, to produce these hormones. I mean, the list of things that could be going on is huge. And so, yes, so everybody out there, if you (laughs) have daughters with horrible cramps, horrible PMS, or you just know that is your body trying to tell you, hey, something is off. Help me fix me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And
1: magnesium is for sure. One of my favorite supplements as a dietitian. I think that that just, it can help with so many different things. And over 50% of the U S is deficient in it. And when you're deficient, it's linked to anxiety, depression, um, cramping, stuff like that. And so, I mean, it can help with sleep. It can help with mood. It can help with cramping. It's like, I'm like, I love my magnesium glycinate or bisglycinate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is great. Uh, magnesium, I know helps like over 300 different functions within the body. So it is an important Mm -hmm. one. That's for sure. Okay. So just one other question about women and that has to do with energy. So, so Mm -hmm. many women today are just fatigued. They're tired. What's your suggestions for people that are low energy? Do you think it's all hormonal imbalance? What are your tips Yeah, so it definitely, I mean, a symptom
1: of hormone imbalance is fatigue and and chronic fatigue and feeling super low energy or brain fog, but it can be a lot of different things. And I, again, it's kind of like, there's tons of moving pieces of the puzzle when it comes to hormone balance. And so, you know, and, and you'll see that a lot of the things I'm about to list off that can contribute to low energy or fatigue also contribute to hormone imbalances. So again, it's kind of all a lot of moving pieces, but, you know, lack of sleep, poor diet, nutrition deficiencies, especially like B12 or some of the B vitamins and iron, Um, imbalanced gut, Uh, gut issues are huge. Um, And when we don't have a healthy gut, that not only affects our immune system and our mood, but can also affect our energy levels. Um, And then it can also be like thyroid or adrenal issues going on or dysfunctions. Um, toxins in our environment can be causing the fatigue, and then infections. So whether it's a gut infection, candida, um, parasites, um, all those different things can be causing um, low energy or fatigue as well. And so, when it comes to like what should we do, like how can we start to naturally increase our energy in uh, in just like a more lifestyle and dietary way? I'd say the biggest thing again, going back to blood sugar regulation in the freshman five that's a huge one. Um, so balancing out your blood sugar levels, because otherwise, if you're, you know, eating a high carb meal, and you're just spiking your blood sugar, and then it's dropping really quick, like all those spikes and drops are going to lead to fatigue and lead to um, brain fog. And so making sure that you're eating fresh and five balanced meals are balancing out your blood sugar levels. Um, removing triggers from your diet and lifestyle that are causing inflammation, that's a huge one. Um, And so that could be under overeating. That could be personal food insensitivities. That could be a negative mindset and self-talk. We don't think about that kind of stuff, but that stuff can definitely play a role in our overall health and energy, Um, gut issues, sickness, environmental toxins, things in our products, everything like that can definitely be huge. Um, Supporting our gut is a huge step for increased energy and just not having that fatigue going on. Um, of course, hydration and getting water in sleep, moderate movement. And I always say moderate movement because too intense workouts isn't good either. Like no movement isn't good, but all, like, you know, Goldilocks and like the soup and it's like, <laughs> this one's too cold. This one's too hot. This one's just right. Or something like that. I'm not really sure how it goes, but <laughs> you're right. Movement. <laughs> or maybe with movement. oatmeal. <laughs> movement is uh, the same thing and so we don't want no movement because that's not good we do need movement for healthy hormones and energy but we also don't want to be wrecking our bodies every single day because that can even do more harm than good and so we really want to find that moderate movement place where we are getting our movement increasing our heart rate all those kind of things but also not again, because working out is a stress on our bodies. So if we're overdoing it and wrecking our bodies every day to where we feel fatigued afterwards, then that's kind of a sign that you're pushing your body too much sometimes. And so, and always, of course, taking that rest day Um, and then supplementing. So B vitamins, vitamin C, adaptogens, iron, if your blood work shows you need it. Um, There's different things that can be helpful when it comes to increasing your energy. And you can also get all those things in food wise too. So rich B vitamin foods or iron rich foods, vitamin C foods, um, and then adaptogens like ashwagandha and stuff are my favorite.
0: Those are really the same suggestions for balancing your hormones as well. So you're right. They are intertwined, but you did touch upon the gut really quick. So if you have clients and you're teaching them to like focus or heal their gut, what do you tell them to first start with?
1: Yeah. So food journaling is huge just to see what is personally maybe disrupting them, um, and I do. So it's like a messy water situation. I don't even know what the saying is, but I know there's like so much like pro- there's so many people against, against it or pro it. Um, but I do say that for four to six weeks, take out dairy and gluten and see if that affects you and, and just see if there's a difference because not that everyone has to completely eliminate those things, Um, but whether it's acne going on or low energy going on, this could be something that is disrupting your gut. And one is the, like some of the top two things that can disrupt your gut. And so I'd say just remove them for a time being, not because you have to remove them for good, but just to see, um, see if it changes, see if you feel better, because if you do, then maybe it is a personal intolerance for you, but, um, you know, removing some of those foods and then also food drilling and seeing like what other things maybe you should be removing, depending on just you and your personal. Like, for me, um, I, I have like personal, I always say like I have like tolerance levels to these things, but I can't have too much of them or else I see a huge difference. Same, and so, same. um, like I'll have a little bit of dairy and I'll have a little, like for me, peanuts is a huge one with my skin. Like, I just notice when I have peanut butter, um, and that's that's there's science kind of behind that too, but. I realized, like, I gotta stick to almond butter and other nut butters because, like, I see it come out of my skin right away. And so, you can start to track, like, food journal and track your symptoms and see, like, what is, what is actually, you know, coming. Like, is there? Do you, are you experiencing symptoms? Whether it's a time of day or a specific food you just ate or whatnot, that can really help with um, supporting your gut. And then, probiotic rich foods, prebiotic rich foods, a quality probiotic can be very helpful. Um, And then things like L-glutamine and bone broth and stuff like that can be really good for gut healing if you actually have like any kind of leaky gut symptoms too.
0: I love all of that. Mm -hmm. I think more people have gut issues than they realize. And Mm -hmm. just so you listeners know, almost every hormone comes in contact with the gut at some point or in communication with the gut at some point, meaning whether it's produced by the gut or regulated by the gut or communication takes part between the hormones and the gut. I mean, all sorts of different things happen between the gut and all 50 plus hormones that we have. So gut health is really important for our hormone health as well. Yeah.
1: And I, again, like, I don't think people know how important it is and it affects everything. Like people sometimes say it's like the second brain, but you know, that's where about 70 to 80% of your immune system lies. That's where a huge part of your serotonin is made, which is your feel good neurotransmitter. That's so like it affects your immune system. It affects your mood. Um, and then also just with like digestion, um like with hormone and elimination. So I always say there's like phase one and two detoxification in your liver, and then phase three, I call it is like elimination through your gut. Um, and if we aren't like I always say, like as a dietitian, I like don't care about talking about pooping, but I'm like, if you aren't pooping every day you there's, you're going to be keeping toxins and excess hormone waste and stuff inside of you. And so that's a huge thing. And if you aren't going every day, then we need to work on that because that's step one of making sure that you're eliminating the things that need to be eliminated. Um, and I think that people have just become used to like, it's okay if I only go every few days. (laughs) And so, um, that's a huge one. And like I said, all the other things that can definitely affect it, but um, when you aren't excreting that hormonal waste or excess hormones or anything like that then that can be causing the high estrogen that then's causing the pms and the and the cramping and so it really a lot of things start with our gut and so there's one thing that we should be prioritizing above like almost anything is our gut health
0: it's so true we could talk hours on gut health and detoxing and all of that thank you so much for sharing all of this information with my listeners Okay, I just know when I listen to podcasts like this, I'm always like, okay, if I were just starting on my health journey, after listening to that, where would I start? So what's your suggestion to people of where to start?
1: Yeah, so I would say the nutrition basics are always where to start. And so that would be balancing out your blood sugar with the Freshman 5. So lean proteins, healthy fats, smart carbs, fiber, um, be- slash vegetables, um, and then boosting it just with natural flavors. So that would be step number one, sleep, stress hydration and movement. And so sleep, trying to get that seven and a half, eight and a half hours of sleep a night. That's quality sleep stress, like thinking about all the different stressors we talked about today. Like how can I lower my stress load? What are the, what are the things filling my stress cup and what are the ones in that stress cup that I can remove or that I can at least decrease? Not everything that we can decrease or do we want to decrease? I mean, there's things that are stressors in our life that we also love, but, um, When it comes to like, what can you decrease, um, dietary stress wise, environmental stress wise, um, emotional stress wise. And then when it comes to movement, just just starting to try to move that body just a little bit every single day and just have that moderate movement daily, um, as much as possible. And then hydration, just getting enough water makes a huge
0: difference. (laughs) So those five simple things. I love it. Thank you so much. So I always end my podcast with asking my guests, what? have they found to be the best ingredient in life?
1: Yeah. Ooh, that's, a, I love that question, by the way. Um, honestly, I would have to say laughter. I, I We've talked so much about stress today. And I always say that no, like, that no chocolate cake is going to do the kind of damage that having too much stress in your life is going to do. And it's the hardest thing to work on. But like the ingredient to like, just real, like good health, I think laughter and joy, like real joy can do so much good for our bodies. And I mean, there's a lot of other things too with that. But I'd say like, just focusing like the one ingredient is like laughter and real joy that can really change things around and working on that and including more of that in there can help with all these different things we talked
0: about too. I love that because without joy, what is this life? like? And But sometimes joy is hard to find. I know that. Like when I was dealing with my depression, there was no joy. But if we can find joy in our health journey and that laughter that goes along with it, oh, we are living such a rich, fulfilled life. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being here with me. I have loved everything you have taught my listeners. I really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.